This is Design Driven, the podcast about using design thinking to build great products in lasting companies. Whether you're running a startup or trying something new inside a Fortune 1000, the tools, methods, and insights we talk about will help you create things people love. And now, your host, Jay Cornelius. Hello and welcome back. I can't tell you how excited I am. The, our guest today is uh, someone I've admired for a long time, and we've, we've worked together on some stuff kind of in a pro bono fashion. We've been on uh, multiple panels and uh, spoken at multiple conferences together, and every time I'm around GD, you know, I just feel an, an energy about product that uh, very few people uh, spark in me. So uh, GD has been a product geek for a long time. He's a teacher. He's an entrepreneur. He's an entrepreneur. He's a product guy in every possible way you can think of it. And his experience not just ranges big companies and small companies, but multiple continents because he's also active in the startup scene and the product scene in Africa. And so I'm really excited to welcome GD to the show. GD, how are you, man? Hey, Jay, what's up? Glad, glad to be here, man. Yeah, I'm glad you can make it. Um, you know, we're just, as we said uh, slightly before we started recording, you know, we're living in interesting times. We're recording this in August of 2020. And, uh, you know, the world's an interesting place right now. And people are doing a lot of strange and interesting new things to them to try to get their products up to par and, and keep pace. So what are you seeing out there? What's going on in your world? Listen, in, uh, I... Uh... I listened to this, you know, I'll, I'll talk, to, talk about this other podcast on your podcast, if you don't mind. I listened to this podcast called Pivot. Uh, Scott Galloway is, is this guy that talks about COVID being an accelerant, not a change agent. So right. a lot of things that are happening right now uh, from a product standpoint, just from a build standpoint, is because things have accelerated. And we're, we're on COVID time right now. <laughs> and, and so if you're a company or an industry that thought that you had time to address trends and, and look at things and adjust them and experiment. No, you have to deal with them today. You actually have to build around them today. The right. education industry, the tourism industry, hospitality, all these industries are being impacted. And, and it's just a very fascinating time um, outside of the, the awfulness of what COVID is doing to us. But it's a fascinating time for product people right now uh, because we we have some really good opportunities. Yeah, yeah. The world has changed more in the last six months than it did in the previous like six or maybe even sixty years. Yes, yeah. yes, so, yeah, absolutely sure. So let, let's dig into a couple things here. Um, first, do you want to give us just kind of a, a brief sense of your background and like the things that you've worked on and the things that you're working on? Sure, now? sure. So I I. I I'm trained as an engineer. I like to let people, I'd like to remind people that I actually went to undergrad and studied electrical engineering. I actually need to remind myself every now and then uh, <laughs> because I tend to forget, right? You, sure. You're so focused on your, your product career. And so that has always been at the core of my product management work. I, I worked at Sony Music uh, post-business school. I worked at uh, Time Warner, Turner, CNN, and the reason I bring that up is that's where that entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurial bug was planted and then, and that's where it flourished. Right. Right. And the, the key here is that there was, there were a lot of crashes. Uh, I like to tell people that I did not leave any of the companies post business school voluntarily. I was asked to leave all three of them. Right. And that's because as a, as a product person, I'm more of an insurgent. I'm more of a rebel. 
Uh, and so when you when you do that, sometimes the bureaucracy pushes back. Yep. And so I, I, I enjoyed my corporate career uh, and I'm, I have no regrets about what the things that we did there, the CNN mobile app, uh, CNN mobile website, MBA digital, uh, March Madness, all those pieces, uh, Sports Illustrated, their mobile presence. Same thing with uh, CNN Money back in the day when CNN Money existed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so those are really important pieces uh, to my career. But then I, I, the key for me has always been you just want to solve problems. And many times when you're trying to solve problems, you're focused on the customer. And, and many of these companies have different ideas of who their, com- their customers are. So ultimately, when I left Turner, and as I said, it wasn't voluntary, uh, I, I had to do the entrepreneurial thing. And that's when I started my consulting practice with Red Cola. And that gave me as to some incredible companies trying to solve really existential issues or problems. But also in Atlanta, that was when, Jay, that's when we met, right? When many of these young companies here are also trying to figure out how to, to get their feet in or feet wet uh, right. in in. in in, in the product world. So I got to work with a lot, a lot of them. But my focus now has been more so on the continent of Africa in tandem with Atlanta and, and the States. And that has opened up the product conversation for me because you're talking about a very diverse continent, 54 countries. You have people trying to solve all kinds of really interesting problems. And so that's where I am now. Uh, I'm teaching at one of the top business schools over there, entrepreneurship and innovation. And I'm also consulting with some of the companies there that are trying to figure out, okay, how do we navigate COVID right now? I've helped a couple of them start their product practices. So many of them were just kind of moving without really having product teams. So I've helped them kind of step back and say, okay, look, you need a product practice. Mm -hmm. And my latest product is actually a COVID product, a COVID HQ Africa product that we're working on with MasterCard Foundation. Uh, and that's been very, very fulfilling because we're trying to solve a problem. You know, misinformation is huge right now around COVID. Mm-hmm. And so the website is one that gives you data around what's going on in your country, but also gives you some information on how to protect yourself and others on the continent. So doing the, the product work, that's, that's been very, very good for me. And the School of Business, just so I give you an idea, the School of Business, the reason I feel that's been one of the most important things to happen to me, and I know you, you, you can relate to this because you're a teacher yourself is that I've been exposed to some of the smartest people on the continent who mm, I believe yeah. will help that continent. And they are currently doing entrepreneurial projects in my classes. And I'm seeing some really interesting problems that they're trying to solve. And so that's, that's put me in a, in a really good place in terms of what product looks like on the continent. Yeah. And so all that perspective I think is, is super fascinating. That's why I always enjoy chatting with you is because you've seen how product works um, in a variety of organizations and a variety of cultures. And I think you've seen what does work and what doesn't work in both. So you've found some of the common themes. So one of the things I'd like to talk about or ask you about is what are some of the typical pitfalls that you see companies fall into when they're trying to innovate, when they're trying to create something new and when they're trying to create a product that people will actually buy and use? Right. So innovation, sometimes people think innovation is a project. So a CEO or CFO or head of division says, okay, we're going to do innovation. 
and they set it up as a project. Right. Uh, and, and, and then they find a rising star or somebody that they like, and they put that person in front of this innovation project. You're going to make us innovative. And that usually doesn't do well. I see that all the time. We're going to do innovation, Chidi. So how do we do innovation? We're going to do a project. And that is not going to work. That's just a, you're already primed for, for, for failure because many times these organizations can't tolerate failure. And the thing about innovation is that you're, you're constantly failing, right? In fact, 99% of the times you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. There's that one spark that will then kind of bring that innovation into the organization. But then even saying that, uh, if you're a highly bureaucratic organization, that's the other piece. If, you're, if you've had some places and all these checks and balances and you have the hierarchy going up to the seat, when you're trying to do innovation inside of a bureaucracy like that, that's just very, very difficult. Because what tends to happen, I've seen, even at Turner, when I was at Turner, we started doing these innovation things. And the challenge we ran into was that the checks and balances, the same way we would do kind of the systemic type of projects, the operational type of projects, we wanted to apply those same uh, heuristics and algorithms towards innovation and innovative type of work. And it just, it just didn't work because the bureaucracy was, you can't go fast. You need to have eight people approve uh, one little thing. Uh, If I wanted to buy a $5,000 Mac that would allow me to do some things, there's this whole process of trying to get it. So you can see companies struggling with that, especially if they have a bureaucracy that is in full, in full effect. And people are looking for results in a short period. That's the thing. You know, we kind of roadmap innovation where we say it's January and we want to be innovative by September, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that's not, you know, you know that's not going to happen. Amazon is not innovative because Jeff Bezos just one day opened up the, the, the vault and said, okay, let's be innovative. They've done it from get-go. They have cultivated right. that. And IBM, I remember when they made the shift from computers to services, that was an innovative that was an innovation project that took, not project, I'm sorry, innovation initiative that took so long for them to implement. And they had to make some painful de- decisions there. Um, and then the, the, the other piece that I'll say is folks try to copy others, right? So there's a lot of copying. People just look outside and say, well, you know what? We see that company doing this, so we're going to copy that. And the truth right. is you, you can't copy innovation. Uh, you have a specific vision, a specific strategy, uh, that you, you've, you've promised your stakeholders that you're going to implement and your innovation has to, tailor, has to be tailored towards that as opposed to you trying to copy somebody else. That, that's just not going to work. Yeah. So the bureaucracy is a, is a big challenge because the, the paperwork won't get out of the way of the work being done. That's right. Hey, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And, innovation doesn't like paperwork. Uh, that's right. a good one. It, paperwork does not work with with innovation. No. Yeah, sure. Um, and I, I think the other thing I heard there, which I wholeheartedly agree with, is that innovation isn't a project. Innovation is a mindset. It's a mindset, yes. And you have to it's, shift the way that you think about things and if you want different results, right? There's that old, uh, I think it's an Einstein quote, right? You, uh, if you keep doing the same things the same way like and getting the same results... Um, you know, that's, that's insanity. Yeah. yeah right. And if you want absolutely. different results, you have to change the way that you work. So innovation, not as a find some 
you know, some up and coming uh, product person or up and coming business person and say, go be innovative. You have to actually shift the way the organization thinks about things and the way the organization operates. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so thinking about that, like what are some traits of a, of a healthy kind of innovative product organization? What do you see the companies that are doing it right? Like what are they doing that's different? As, as a, as, as a teacher, you know, and again, I, I like to, I like talking to you because we're both teachers. As a teacher, I know that an organization that has learning a learning culture, where the entire organization is activated to learn, to just be open to, to not necessarily being right, but being true, like understanding the truth. They're truth seekers, right? So you right. will see. When these organizations, uh, when you when you go to a learning culture, there are a couple of organizations I've worked with, and you can just see there's an insatiable curiosity around what their customers are trying to do, around what their competition is trying to do, mm-hmm, around mm-hmm. what is coming, what has what has what has happened before. Right? Learning cultures do very well, and a learning culture so means that you're problem oriented as opposed to solution oriented. So you're not looking for solutions as in, here's a solution, implement it. Really good, healthy product organizations are all about what's the problem. Right? I like right. to, I like to, I like to, when I do presentations, I like to have the big kind of, I think it's 40 point Helvetica black against white slide that says, what's the problem here? Right. <laughs> and <laughs> And that's it. I've seen and that I, slide. I, yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> that's right. What's the problem here? And and so that that is what learning cultures do. You know, Jay. Another piece is experimentation. So experimentation is something that uh, people talk a lot a, a lot about, but the real product, healthy product organizations experiment a lot. Experiment, 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 and they don't they don't even blink about it. Hey, you know, we we kind of see this problem. Okay, let's experiment. Let's do something. Let's build a prototype. Let's mm-hmm. let's code something, and that always engenders for really strong product organizations, uh, and and they are very 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 willing to say no. Like they don't they don't BS themselves. They just say no to stuff, even when a senior stakeholder comes in from vacation with their phone, excited about some new app that they saw, and we should do something like that. Product cultures say no, <laughs> and, and the executive is willing to say, "Oh, really? Okay, why? Well, this is why. Okay, cool. I get it. I understand. I'll back off." Yeah. Uh, many times, many times, uh, uh, unhealthy product cultures, the executive doesn't care. They just say, "I'm pushing this forward. That's the way we do it. Forget it." Yeah. So I like what you said about being focused on the problem instead of the solution. Like we talk about all that all the time is mm-hmm. you have to be focused on not just the business problem, but the customer's problem. Right? Yep, yep. And mm-hmm. the way that I think about it is if you've got, uh, you know, the, your business goals and your customer's journey and the problems that your customer is trying to solve, your job is to figure out where those two things intersect. That's right. Right. That's so right. You figure out where those two things intersect. How do you solve that problem for the customer in a way that captures value for the business? Absolutely. And, and see, that's the thing about product management. And, and in many organizations, unfortunately, Jay, the, the agile kind of, the capital A-G-I-L-E has taken over 
the mindset of what product management means. Product management right. is, is a holistic management of the interaction between the business, the technology, and the user, right? And so the business has its goals and the user has, or let me say the market, the, the market has its goals. Mm-hmm. And the business uses technology to help the, the market deliver, excuse me, help the market solve whatever problems. They, they have a pain point. So you're solving that right. problem for them. Right. And so, you know, at, at some point, product management became this whole thing about frameworks that you use to do faster development or faster product building. And that's not true. Product is really about the relationship between the market. We are value creators, right? Ruthless focus on value. That's what product is all about. When right. you go to a really a, a, a product organization as Humming, you will see it. They are just ruthlessly creating value, not only for the customer, but for the business. Right. Yeah. So we're seeing a couple of themes emerge in the conversation where mm-hmm. you're going back to what what pitfalls companies fall into is not being willing to fail and putting too much bureaucracy on top of things. And then the healthy organizations have this learning mindset and they're, they're willing to experiment, which means that they're willing to fail. And those things are kind of uh, antithetical to the way a lot of businesses run because businesses are about de-risking everything. Right. Businesses are about operating, you know, on thin margins and, You've got limited budget and limited time to make something happen. And so you have to do things in the most predictable, safest way, right. which is you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum of innovation. So what, what are your thoughts about how an organization who's probably struggling with that can kind of de-risk innovation in a way that they can get comfortable with it, innovation can actually happen, and the product team can actually focus on the customer and do the right things without creating too much risk for the larger organization? So let me, I'll come at it from a couple of directions. The first one is, let me go to the CFO because the CFO is usually one of the biggest, one of the biggest blocks to yep. what I'll call the flow of innovation. And, and they don't do it because they don't like innovation. It's they, they are the, they hold the keys to the vault. They have to make sure that this company is financially viable. Right. And they're running and so, things from a spreadsheet. They have a spreadsheet. Mindset. Yes, they have a spreadsheet. And the spreadsheet tells them they, they do their macros and they do all of that and it tells them, hey, ROI this, I that, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay? What we need to, what, what I usually try to counsel leaders on is to say, you do know that this has to be, you have, don't see this any other way, but as a capital investment. And you got to spread it out over a number of, of years so that the impact on your bottom line is, a, is minimal, right? And, and of course, they know this better than I do. They're financial people. So I say to them, once you, once you turn innovation into this long, long-term capital investment, right, that is supposed to yield you some kind of benefit or return, you know, in the future, not now, then it becomes more palatable to some of the senior leaders, right? Mm-hmm. Many, many of them who may not be there when the fruits start to, to kind of bear out in their companies. So I'll give you an example. Um, Walmart. Walmart is a company that innovation is, is not the first word you would think of when you think of Walmart. You just think of this sprawling company that could fund at least the entire continent of Africa and Europe together, right? That's how much money mm-hmm. they have. That's how, But I've had the opportunity to help them figure out product, right? As part of this training and instruction uh, uh, 
uh, initiative. And they are taking their time. They have laid out capital for a long period of time to say, look, we need to start thinking more from a, a more innovative standpoint. We need to understand that we have competition out there, that our customers are, behave, uh, are changing their behaviors, that things are, are just accelerated in terms of change and, and the way people react, I mean, interact with us. Mm-hmm. And so they need to make that capital investment and that's what they've done, okay? So that's one piece. But then the other thing is just some practical things. For instance, innovation, take it outside the building. Now, what I mean by that is don't, don't let the, the, what they do to, to help de-risk it, don't let the innovation work be done in the same building as the operational work. Because sometimes when those two clash, ultimately the operational work is going to win because you got to keep the lights on. You got to... Right. So some of the, 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 the companies that have done innovation really well, they've, they've taken the innovation teams and just sent them somewhere away from the prying eyes of other coworkers, right? They just send them to, not to Silicon Valley, not necessarily. They, they just find another building maybe across the town, right? Or a, another state that's just one state over. So if you're in Georgia, you put your innovation team in Tennessee. That mm-hmm. way... Mm-hmm. That way, you can allow these folks to work in peace. Again, remember I talked about the bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one way to do that. I've always felt when I see organizations do that, it, that always gives them the opportunity to fail. That always gives them the opportunity to, to do all kinds of crazy stuff without somebody saying, what the hell are they doing? What's he doing over there? Why is he blowing up stuff? We don't appreciate that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's one, one way to do it. And well, then, we've seen some companies do that, like you know, Delta has the hangar, and yeah, Home Depot's yeah. you know, had that that office at the Treehouse, and um, yeah, you know, and Cox did the whole Kinsey Lane thing. So that yeah. you know, there's there's a bunch of companies here in Atlanta that are kind of doing that. Or, or, or do you think that they're doing it well, or do you think they they have more work to do? Of course, they have more work to do. I mean, the the hangar, uh, I believe, is still run by my friend Nicole Jones, who mm-hmm. used to yep. be at Turner with me, and she's doing some really good work there. But I also know that this is a, a long-term, uh, this is a long-term view for her. This is not uh, we're going to change Delta in a day or right. in a year, right? So they're doing the work, and yes, even if they put their innovation centers or hangars outside of their companies, there's more to. Right? I mean, it's not just doing that and then all of a sudden you're innovating. You got to have the the right people in there. So this is actually the next piece that I was going to say is you need to have a good mix of right-brained and left-brained people mm-hmm. in your innovation centers. You need the logical kind of straight thinking type of folks who make sure that the, who make sure that the train at the very least is on the track. Um, and then you need the crazy people, the creatives who are willing to, again, blow shit up <laughs> and, right. and see what happens. Right. When you have, when you have that good mix of right and left-brained people, a lot of magic happens. You're going to see a lot of tension, creative tension, a lot of tension around what problems are we solving? How do we solve those problems? But that's where innovation happens. And you, and, and you want that to happen outside of the bureaucracy because then the bureaucracy will try to quell that. We don't right. want tension, right? Tension is not good for us. But innovation, innovation or innovative uh, organizations have a lot of tension. And that's because you have the right mix of, of left brain and right brain people in there. Yeah, and that needs to be managed, and it needs to be directed. You need to focus that energy in the same direction, right? Yes. And so that yes. requires somebody with vision and, and mm-hmm. the ability to corral all of that 
that creative energy and that kind of disciplinary energy into right. going and, and trying to achieve the same thing, right? And that yeah. typically comes from, in a larger organization, it might come from lower down, uh, but in smaller organizations, that, that comes from the C-suite. Yeah. So yeah. how do we, you know, how do we better prepare or educate the C-suite for managing that chaos that they're not used to managing? Like, what should they really know about, about this process of building product? It's hard as hell. It is hard as hell. And, <laughs> it is hard. And, yeah. and, and they need to understand that. So just because you want to solve a problem doesn't mean that, okay, your product people are just going to go out there and solve it. It is hard as hell because customers are finicky as hell. I'm sure the TikTok folks are about to discover whether their customers are truly loyal or not. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, because Instagram has come out with reels and there's some really interesting things going there. So Snapchat's the folks, adding music in the next couple of months. And yeah. Look at that, right? And I would say, so for instance, my advice to the TikTok C-suite will be, remember your product people are here fighting. Now right. they are no longer in just acquisition and activation mode. Now they got to retain folks. You have mm-hmm. to stem the tide. You're going to lose some people. Instagram mm-hmm. is already embedded in people's lives. So this stuff is hard as hell. And then the other piece is you're not the customer. So don't, don't come in acting like my viewpoint is the most important view, viewpoint here. You're not the customer. So your opinion mm-hmm. is the least important opinion. The most important opinion in the mix right now is the customer's viewpoint. So let your product people go out there and immerse themselves with your, with your customers. Give mm-hmm. them the tools to get the right quant and qualitative feedback, validated feedback that you can then use to make decisions. Set the vision, right? You know, set the vision, set the strategy, but let your people then build the roadmaps and, and go out there and, and execute against uh, what they know is happening in the market. So that would be something I'll, I'll say. And then let, let your people figure it out. As I said, help them flesh out the problem, but then get out the way. Don't stand in their way, get out the way, and you will be amazed at what your product people come up with. So yeah. that's what healthy product organizations do. They, they cultivate, they cultivate um, missionaries, not mercenaries, right? They cultivate people who believe. And these missionaries will build businesses for you. They will build really cool products. If you want to cultivate mercenaries, you will, you will just have people who take orders. Okay, do this for us. They'll take the orders, they'll get their money, and at some point they'll move on to the next... <laughs> to the next uh, 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 junta out there that they want to fight for. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. And so on the flip side of that, uh, let's assume that we're, we're in an environment that is doing the right things, right? We've got a learning, uh, a learning based uh, team. We've got, uh, you know, not a blank check, but we've got um, bureaucracy is out of the way so that we don't have to do a lot of paperwork to get things done. We've got a clear vision in front of us. We've got a C-suite that's behind us. So then what does that product team need to know about the C-suite to make sure that you're actually proving yourself and that, and that they can stay comfortable giving you that kind of wide area uh, to move around in and, and to build product in? Yeah, the product people need to know that it is hard as hell. <laughs> so <we can't>. It's hard <laughs> right? for everybody, right? It is hard as hell because they have a vision and strategy to implement. They, they, there is a high level vision and strategy that they must 
they must implement. There's a North Star that they are driving everybody towards. Some mm-hmm. of them are just driving a, a speedboat towards that North Star, maybe a couple of boats. And then some, some are driving armadas, right, towards that North Star. Mm-hmm. So this stuff is hard. And so you got to cut them some slack, right? Uh, give them, get, help them help you. So make sure that you're giving them the proper inputs, uh, the proper validated information that allows them to make decisions, okay? Because if you don't do that, and if you think that, if you think that they, um, they're just coming in and, and, and just giving you orders or telling you what to do, that's because they're not necessarily getting the inputs that, that, that you need to be feeding them. And mm-hmm. so the healthy product organizations are that, what they call it, the feedback loop, right? The yep. feedback loop is, is very strong, very, very yeah. strong. And uh, I can't remember who said this. I, it it might have been, I think it was maybe at Stripe, the, one of the co-founders of Stripe. What he does is he will have his product people in the room, and the question he will ask them is, okay, how can I, how can I help you make this happen, right? And mm-hmm. so you need to empower them to be able to, to let you do that. The other thing is stakeholder management. So these, these C-suite folks are also in battles, right? It's, it's like Goliaths all fighting for their own agendas and fighting for their, own, uh, for their own missions. And so understand that they're also blocking and tackling and they're doing a lot of stakeholder management to let you do your job. So again, right. it's something that they need to appreciate and, and also empower their, their C-suite folks to, to be able to help them do product by understanding that there's a lot of stakeholder management going on there. Uh, and then finally, just, just very quickly on the roadmap, they are also, they need to be in the roadmapping process. Don't exclude them from, from it. Uh, know that they are the types that if they are participating in the roadmap definition, it's golden. You guys will be blazing because once they get it, oh, these are the problems we're solving. This is what you guys need. Now go out there and make it happen. So, yeah, that, that's interesting. You brought up roadmaps. Um, we're actually writing an article right now that should come out in the next couple of weeks about um, how to validate roadmaps and the smart way to, to manage roadmaps. And one of the points in the article is your roadmap is not your release plan. No, it's not. And no, it's not. Keeping those two things different is um, an important way to make sure that stakeholders know what's going on and that they've separated that, oh, this release is having these updates, but that's not exactly tied to the roadmap of where we're going. Right. And how roadmaps can change because the markets change around you. Absolutely. My business students, my MBAs at the African Leadership School of, uh, African Leadership University School of Business are going through the capstones. uh, And they're right now, they'll be submitting roadmaps to me on Sunday. And I just had this conversation with them yesterday. Don't submit a project plan. Don't submit a release plan. Submit a a roadmap that tells me the problems that you're going to be solving going forward. And so that's where the C-suite can help your organization and want to help the organization by helping you define the roadmap. Remember, the roadmap comes directly from the strategy, right? It is, and the roadmap is not an execution plan. So remember, that's what you should be working with the C-suite on, not the release plan. You don't right. want them to see the release plan. You don't want the CFO to see your release plan because that would be, he or she would just say, okay, forget it. I'm cutting all this stuff out because I don't know what this is. But if you just give them a roadmap and then they know what the, 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 the pieces are, you're in a good place. Yeah, I think release maps need to be communicated, but they also run the risk of looking like things are moving too slow. Yeah, 
and roadmaps are uh, inspiring, right? It's like, oh, we're going to do are. all this cool stuff. Yes. These plans are depressing because you're like, look yes. how long it's going to take to get out. Thank you. Thank you. That's a, and, and, and people don't get that. That's why when I make the decision between a, a roadmap and a release plan or a roadmap and a project plan, I think yesterday, one of my MBAs said, oh, it sounds like a Gantt chart strategic plan. It can be. Now, I blew up on him, though. No, I blew up on him because I was like, first, don't ever say Gantt, Gantt chart and roadmap in the same sentence <laughs> in my world. Right? That is, right. for a product person, we don't, we don't want to hear that. Um, but you're absolutely right. Uh, the release plan is, it, tell, it says there's work being done from an execution standpoint. The roadmap tells the entire organization that we, got, we, have a, we know where we're going. We know the route we're taking. We know the stops we're making. We know the, the people we're picking up on the way over there. We know all these things. And this is exciting, right? Let's go. Right, right. Right. And I think that's one of the things that product people should know about um, business people in general, not necessarily C-suite people, but the business people that they're working with is they have their own roadmap. They have their own things, their own targets that they're trying to hit. And so the more that we can understand their targets as a product team, and we can help them understand what we're doing to help them hit their targets, then the better everybody is going to be. And that's why everything in a roadmap has to be aligned with a business goal. If, you're, if, you're, if your roadmap has anything that's outside of the company's business goals, then your roadmap is, is, not, is not doing the work. And that's why you need the C-suite inside of your roadmap because they make sure that, okay, this is tied to that business goal. And of right. course, the business people have their alignments there and their dependencies. And these are all the things that we need to make sure uh, are in place before we go execute. Right. And that alignment is where the C-suite will, will show you that they are your champions as opposed to your, your blockers. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've seen our, um, our alignment chart that we, um, I think we have it up on our website. If not, I can send it to you. Yeah, basically, please. basically it comes it. down to, to, to this. Like businesses need two things to survive. You need profitability and you need market share. Those are the two things that businesses care about growing. Mm-hmm. And you derive profitability from two things, increased revenue and decreased costs. And so uh, market shares derive from customer loyalty and satisfaction, right? If that grows, then people are happy. If people are happy, they're going to tell other people and it's going to, the word's going to get around and your market share grows and marketing and advertising and that plays a role in it. But you have to deliver on that promise that advertising and marketing makes, or you're not actually going to grow the market share. So the way we think about it is as a product goal, which of these things are we trying to drive for the business? Are we trying to drive, are we trying to increase revenue by creating more value for the customer so they're willing to pay more? Are we trying to decrease costs by making the product team and the development team and the design teams more efficient so that it doesn't cost as much to, to create things? Or are we trying to drive satisfaction by having a product that people actually really enjoy using, meaning that it's more usable, it's more intuitive, um, it maybe helps them accomplish more things. So are we adding features to the product or improving features to the product to make it more usable and so on to improve satisfaction, which lends to loyalty, which grows market share. Right. And can also drive revenue because now you have a new feature you can charge more for. So what are the business goals we're trying to do? And then those things tie back specifically to activities. Like if right. we're trying to reduce costs, then let's look at your design operations and try to 
create some tools that help you get better efficiency. If you're trying to grow revenue, well, let's go understand the market so we can understand what features or things that they need so we can deliver value to them. So it ties everything back to specific product activities so the C-suite gets a better understanding of where the money's going and where the time is going and what the, the outcome of that effort will be. That's absolutely right. And, and you know, I, I put it in stark terms for, I remember when I used to, when I used to teach, uh, when I was the lead product uh, instructor for General Assembly here in Atlanta, one of the things I used to tell people was, listen, if, if you are not working on, if you look at the roadmap and your work is not tied to something on the roadmap, just make sure your car key is working the next day you go to work. Okay? <laughs> you know, make sure that people are not looking at you strange. Make sure the HR people are not constantly walking by your cube, looking at you and pointing at you and pointing at their eyes. Right. Lurking. Uh, yeah. You're lurking, right. Because <laughs> that tells you that you're working on something that's not important to the company. Right. Okay. So that's why the roadmap and business goals are so well aligned. This is actually, this is very interesting because on a continent in Africa, and I'll just use this as an example, this concept is blowing a lot of C-suite and product people's minds because they, they thought that their, their job for the roadmap was to have this feature, this featured list, this backlog of features that showed how busy the product team was, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to a roadmap that shows the, the, that shows where we're going, where they were going. And so, the mindset is shifting. There's, there's some you know, product people who are doing amazing work there. And we're, we're trying to get people to stay focused on the problems that are tied to the business goals that we have so that we're, we're not wasting time building bullshit. Right? And, and right. Excuse the language, but that's, that's what ultimately happens. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about what's happening over there a little bit more. Uh, and I know that you're, you're really involved in the entrepreneurship community and uh, I've, I've spent a little bit of time in Africa, but not uh, not as much as, as as I would like, and I didn't have any real exposure to any of the the entrepreneurship stuff while I was there. But um, my impression is that not only is it just a different market because it's just a you know a, a different uh, part of the world, but the 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 resource availability is also different. Not that it's necessarily less, but it's just different resources are available. So talk about what you're doing over there and like how you uh, adapt to this type of product thinking to, you know, a completely different part of the world. So I, 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 I had to practice a lot of product management principles, just breaking into the market is a patience, right? You're doing discovery. What's going on here? Why, why, why are people not doing product the way I do product? And Look, people, there's successful businesses, there's successful products. A lot of problems are being solved over there. Mm-hmm. It's when you get into the, almost the, the systemization of product, that's where the challenge comes. Uh, many of our, our senior leaders over there are not necessarily focused on the problem. They are more for solutions. And so sometimes it's almost like you throw stuff on the wall to see what sticks. So there's a very robust, very, very robust startup culture uh, in, in Africa, I would say the more recognized ones are the ones in Nigeria, in Kenya, mm-hmm. in, in South Africa, of course, but we have, I mean, Rwanda, I, I love what the Rwandans are doing. Uh, they're actually building what an innovation city where they're putting all these innovation pockets and startup pockets in this concentrated area. And they're doing a really good job of, of bringing the right types of mindsets uh, to that environment. The Ghanaians, 
Uh, Ghana is, a, a, they have a very strong culture of innovation. Uh, you go to Uganda, Tanzania, uh, Ethiopia. The, the challenges that they have are systemic because they're, they're structural, right? So for instance, power. So they're things that you and I would, there are ideas that you and I, Jay, will come up with here in Atlanta. And we can, we can really work on that project because power is not an issue. We're never going to be concerned about power going out on a consistent basis. Right. And so we can build products that depend on power. So you can imagine the constraints for an entrepreneur on the continent where you have to figure out what your power, your power issues are going to be if you're trying to solve certain problems that require that resource. Right. Just so that's infrastructure is a bit of a constraint. Yes. So the infrastructure is a, is a constraint. Um, there's also uh, the sophistication of the of the invest, investor culture there is is on the rise, but not at a place where I feel like they they are enabling true kick-ass product management and development. I, I just believe that there's still. Uh, so I'll give you an example. Let me give you an example. So. Acoma, the company that myself and my partner Zane, we had a company that we were building for creatives on the continent. And the problem we were looking to solve was to enable creatives to really explode their storytelling, their storytelling, their collaboration, to bring them in, in a community type of marketplace where they could get work, but also collaborate with each other. And so we, we reached out to uh, an angel investor who told us, oh, off the bat, I'm giving you guys half a million dollars. You're going to get the money, all right? But then when we started negotiating, the challenge then became, well, first, I'm not giving you $500 off, off, off the bat. I'm giving you $50,000. And then I'm expecting dividends in nine months. <laughs> yeah, that's the wrong type so of just, investment. Right, so just think about that, right? So yeah. you're going to give me 50, and then for me to even get more, I got to show you that that 50 is actually already creating profit. Yeah. And so, and this is, you know, this is cheaty. This is Zane. We are sophisticated entrepreneurs. We know our stuff. So imagine if you're a young person that doesn't know squat about term sheets or, or investment and right. that, that is a problem. So that's also something that we're seeing. Some companies are doing well with, with getting investments. We're seeing a lot of announcements uh, about multi-million dollar investments on the continent. I don't, I don't applaud those at all. I've never been the type to say, oh, company so-so-so raised $40 million. No, I want to see what those $40 million are going to do in terms of your business before yeah. I start clapping. Right. And so there's, there's a lot of work to be done, but I'm very encouraged. I love the work there. It is amazing. People are willing to learn. People are open to learn. Uh, it is diverse. Uh, you go to Ethiopia, you're thinking of certain use cases. You go to K Kenya, it's different use cases. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to when I drag you over to the continent so we can we can go yell at some people together. Yeah, right? I'm in. And Let's make it yeah, happen. That would be great. Yeah, I'd love to go back. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, man, uh, great conversation, as always. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised that we had a good conversation. We always do. It's always sure. a pleasure to chat with you. Um, if somebody sure. wants to learn more about what you're doing, either here in the U.S. or over in Africa, what's, what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, so my website is chidiafulizi.com, C-H-I-D-I-A-F-U-L-E-Z-I.com. Uh, I can also be reached on LinkedIn, Chidi Afulizi. I'm very open to having conversations very open to, to helping. Uh, I think there's, there's a lot of really cool things to be done. 
And if you're, you know, if you're open for a really good, hard, but blunt conversation, blunt, good, hard, blunt work, uh, I'm definitely down. down yeah, to you're the man you. for that, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's one of the things I've always admired about you is you just you go right at the problem and hey, let's get it done. But let's you're also done. in a in a very uh, welcoming and collaborative way, and, and and I think that's you know the way that you have to go about it. And uh, you know I've seen you be effective and and do great things. So I'm looking forward to watching what you do next. Thanks, Jay, and I appreciate it. You know, I, I love hanging with my my product brothers and sisters, and you're right <laughs> up there. So let's do this again. Yeah, sounds good. All right, thanks, man. Sure. That's it for today. Design Driven is brought to you by Nine Labs, guiding innovators and product teams through executing their vision. Find out how they can help improve your digital products at NineLabs.com. Have comments, questions, or an idea you'd like us to cover? Point your browser to designdriven.biz and click Contact Us at the top of your screen. We'd love to hear from you. Tell your friends and colleagues about the Design Driven Pod. Post on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or send them an email and tell them to go to designdriven.biz or wherever they find their podcasts. Until next time, remember what Thomas Watson, founder of IBM, said, Good design is good business.